this is Gowron, Robert O'Reilly, in Star Trek. Go to Neil Before Pod. Now. 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 Goodbye. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, I recently had the chance to talk to writer and producer Joseph Malozzi, noted for his work on Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, and Stargate Universe, but most recently as the creator of Dark Matter. We talked all things Dark Matter, Season 3 currently in production, the influence of anime on his writing, and even a couple of points closer to my heart. Will Six have to face off against Anders again? And just who was Three's Third Gun Pip named after? Enjoy our discussion. Mr. Joseph Malozzi, welcome. Thank you, sir. Oh, it, uh, very glad to have you on here and talk about your show and, and hopefully a bit about yourself as well. I think we might jump straight into uh, a question about Dark Matter there. I'm wondering, seeing as you're now right into the writing, I think, of, of season three, I don't know if you're into the, the shooting of it, but whereabouts are you on the whole pleasure of writing through to, oh my God, I've got a deadline pain scale of things? Well, actually, it's a constant 10 throughout until we wrap. But right now we, um, you know, we have four scripts out. We have eight drafts done. Um, I'm actually presently working on episode nine and I'm going to jump on the rewrite for episode eight. Um, uh, We're actually prepping episodes one and four. We'll be block shooting uh, one and four first with director Ron Murphy. and, And we go to camera on November 18th. Uh, and, and right now it's just prep, basically getting ready, uh, putting the pieces together, visual effects, playback, uh, art department, the set builds. Um, it's the calm before the storm. Oh, no, calm before the storm. To me, that sounds like you're riding the storm already, doing lots and lots of different things at once. But uh, if it gets even harder, that sounds uh, that sounds a bit brutal. Is it is it a bit of a mix trying to match to lots of different jobs all at once? It's it's always a challenge. I mean, as a, as um, you know, when we're when we wrap up the hiatus as a creator, I'm 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 already putting together the pieces for the next season, and then we get together with the writers and we break the stories. And again, I have a pretty good sense of where I want to end up, and it's just a matter of putting together the pieces. And then we all go off and write. Uh, and now, really, it's 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 preparation. Um, you know, deciding what sets, what the sets are going to look like, what sets we'll need, uh, the guest stars and such. And, um, you know, it's constantly, constantly writing. And then later, you know, you're on set, you're dealing with meetings. Um, and then later on, you're dealing with editing. So it, it, it almost like never ends, I would say. Well, well eventually it does end when, when it it's yes. cancelled. But for now, uh, it's endless. I wondered. I've seen on uh, I've seen online IMDb and so on all the previous projects that you've been involved in and so on. But I wondered if Dark Matter is it is it more personal than maybe Stargate and so on? Just because you're also the creator as well, does that change any of this process for you? Maybe. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, Stargate was a lot of fun, uh, but we were essentially playing in, in someone else's sandbox. We had to put the toys away where we found them uh, once we were done with them. Uh, in the case of Dark Matter, it's, it's basically, it's my show. So, um, you know, simply put, I can do whatever I want. I mean, I, 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 I have a game plan. I've had a, like a five-year game plan going in. I know where all the stories, the character uh, journeys end. I know, um, 
you know, all the twists and turns. And one of the great things about that is that I'm able to layer in certain hints along the way. Um, and, you know, it's just nice, uh, you know, being able to produce your own show, you have that creative freedom to tell the stories you want, as opposed to really, you know, working with someone else's characters and always, in a sense, being kind of stymied by, uh, by, by um, you know, by the fact that really you can't, you can, you can develop characters and develop stories, but you can't really make any changes that will, uh, you know, have a major impact really yeah. on, uh, on, on, on the series going forward. I wonder then if we would be able to look through all of those shows that, well, the, the, the episodes of Dark Matter then have been in series one and two so far and, and pick out the real influences of you. I mean, I've, I've seen on your uh, blog that there just might be a very tiny Japanese influence on some of your writing. Um, I wonder if there's. Oh. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've always been a, uh, a, uh, had a lot of interest in, in Japanese culture and I've been, always been a huge anime fan. And, yeah. uh, you definitely see the, um, anime influences in, uh, in Dark Matter. Uh, more overtly through, let's say, a character like Ryo Oshida, obviously. Uh, and, you know, you know, some people consider it a trope, I suppose, but I mean, it's, it's really, it pays tribute to the, uh, to, uh, the, uh, uh, the swords in space subgenre of, of anime, uh, like a Code Gas and, um, you know, even, um, uh, Gundam to a certain extent, uh, something I grew up with and loved. So, so you definitely see that. Uh, on a, uh, I guess, more subtle or maybe not so subtle, it depends how big a fan you are, uh, uh, influence. Uh, I was a huge fan of Cowboy Bebop, so definitely the character of Five was uh, uh, in- inspired by the character of uh, Radical Edward in uh, Cowboy Bebop. I so wish that I was more of an anime fan here so we could launch into an mm-hmm. in-depth discussion, but my my knowledge of it is quite limited. I've seen a few, but... But yeah, the names have come up there. But I, uh, but I highly recommend Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. I'm taking a note right now. There's a there's a friend of mine who will be glad to know that I'm being pulled more into anime. Uh, are there any other themes that I wondered? I mean, that, that we might see in the even if they're just like little Easter eggs that have come from other influences in your life. Um, I mean, you'll see them all the time. Just off the top of my head, I mean, I can't. Um, you know, they don't readily come to mind, but I mean, every time we go into prep and I think of a moment, I mean, there are going to be several moments in season three, little visuals that will uh, pay tribute to what, have, what has come before, and, you know, specifically in terms of the big sci-fi movies that I was influenced by, Star Wars or, uh, or Alien, um, and the shows I used to watch growing up, Star Trek, and, and shows I enjoyed later on, like a Farscape. Um, you know, when there's always uh, a fun little opportunity to um, uh, give those influences a shout out, I, I, I definitely take them. Cool. I mean, I think I can hear one of the influences in the background there, perhaps that might have gotten the name of a, of one of Three's Guns. I think is that yes, yes. Actually, that's uh, Lulu actually in the Lulu. background who's uh, who's growling for food. Uh, oh Bubba and Lulu, uh, Three's Guns, named after two of my dogs. Baba yes. and Lulu. Um, I, I had it in my head that um, I was going to ask about Three's other gun, but then I suddenly thought, oh, what if it's uh, like a poignant connection to another dog that might have unfortunately passed away? But now I feel kind of suckered into it. Is is Pip also? Uh... Three has uh, uh, 
three guns. And I only named two of them. Actually, I didn't realize he would have three guns on the day. And right. Anthony ended up uh, in, in that scene in, in, in uh, episode two. You know, he says, this is Baba, this is uh, Lulu, and this is Pip. And he actually named uh, the third do- uh, gun after a friend's dog. Right. So it's kept the scene then. That's, that seems good, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I do have to ask, though, because I noticed in, in one of the reviews that we do that Bubba did get rescued off the ship. Are Lulu and Pip, are they gone? Are they no longer to be with us? Um, you know, I, I believe they were back on the ship. I think they're good. They're us. safe. Yeah. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. I think for, <laughs> for some reason I've, I've, I've sort of bonded with these with these guns for no reason at all. So I'm pleased to hear they're safe as well. Yeah. I think uh, what lots of people listening will be, of course, interested in is uh, season three. And I know you keep it tight, so I'm not going to try and push into some of the, you know, the probe into the depths of it. But I am curious if season three is going to have a scene because I think season one and two really did. Um, yeah, I mean, season one was uh, more, I guess, an internalized story. It was very much ship-based. It was very much mystery and kind of a slow burn as we peel the onion on, on the various backstories of these characters and find out about them. Uh, season uh, two uh, was very much about the conspiracy and, uh, of, uh, you know, the corporate conspiracy and our heroes deciding, well, you know, that's it. Instead of sitting back and allowing things to happen to us, we're going to go out and, uh, you know, we're going to go out and, 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 and get things done. And, uh, and they do. And episode and season three is going to be, uh, but it's set in the backdrop of this corporate war and, and, and the role our characters will play on it in it. And, um, you know, also, uh, we'll, we're going to continue to find out, uh, you know, a little bit about their backstories. In fact, there are going to be a number of surprises coming your way with regard to uh, Five, uh, the Android, uh, Two, uh, you know, and, and, and Six as well. We're going to be finding out quite a bit about their backstories. It sounds, it sounds like uh, it, it really does connect back to Season 1 as well, which is, I wonder how easy it was to move on from season one that had such a strong mystery theme and then once you've solved that mystery was it was it difficult to move into something else or did it naturally flow i think you know it it was always the plan to uh set up that question at the beginning of the season then answer it at the beginning at the end of the season and, and hopefully that answer would spin off the story in a new direction which is what we did um you know i'm always uh, somewhat reluctant to invest in shows that that tend to delay answers for too long. I mean, we have plenty of questions, uh, but we offer plenty of answers along the way. I mean, th- there are a lot of mysteries uh, that we set up over the course of the show, and uh, we've uh, we've you know answered a lot of them. And of course, in answering them, we also pose a lot more questions. So, I mean, you know. <sighs> You know, without naming names, there, there, there have been shows in the past that uh, do a great job of setting up mysteries and then never paying them off, uh, yes. much to the consternation of fans. And that's something I don't want to do. So, I think you know. I, sorry, I was just I think I very much noticed that in your in your writing, actually, and that you, you do actually give a lot of answers. I think even I noticed in one of my favorite parts in season one is where 
uh, even as simple as when one character six is talking to an air vent to, because he knows five is behind there, do you actually do then reveal that five is in the air vent? You know, that sounds like a simple mm-hmm. thing, but it doesn't put another mystery on where a character doesn't know anything. Uh, it doesn't, a character misses something because they aren't there. The joke seems more important. I wondered, is right. that something that is in, is it possibly just in your style? Is it in Canadian writing? Is there maybe a difference between Canadian and American writing in that way? I don't think so. I mean, I just, um, I think it's, it's, it's mainly my writing style. I mean, I, I you know, I, I've always enjoyed mystery. Um, one thing though that I learned from working on Stargate is that uh, fans will turn, tune in for whatever the hook or the premise of the show is, but they stay for the characters. So the characters are always very important to me. And, um, you know, hopefully you can tell by the, you know, the, the, the character interactions, the, the, the character developments and, you know, the character relationships, that was always very important on Stargate, how the characters got along. And that's something that, uh, I was always very mindful of when developing the show. And, and, you know, even before we went to camera and as I continue to do, you know, you see sort of the little progressions and developments, um, uh, for instance, a character of three played by Anthony Lemke is sort of a resident uh, curmudgeon, if you will. Yes. Uh, and Joe Dell uh, Furlan plays a character of five, the kid. And one of the things, you know, I really loved in season one were, were their interactions, but they were so few and far between. So one of the things I really set out to do in season two was really explore their relationship. And there were a lot of great little moments between them. Like there's a, there's a scene early on in, in, uh, in one episode where, uh, where three goes to, to five and asks her for a loan and, uh, you know, she charges him interest. Uh, and you know, there's an episode later on, in ep- uh, episode 11 in the series where, uh, she's kidnapped and he goes off to find her and he en- ends up saving her and gets injured. And then she has to return the save- uh, favor by saving him, but it's just the two of them on the run. And they're just such an unlikely pair and such a fun pair to, uh, to, uh, to, to, you know, whose relationship is fun to explore. So that's, you know, something I set out to do. So it's always there. And then there's always also the sense of humor. It's something that we did in Stargate that I always enjoyed. And, you know, I always say that humor goes such a long way towards allowing the viewer to connect with the characters. Yeah. And so I think all of our characters are funny in very different ways from the more overt three and maybe the android to the more subtle humor of, let's say, like F4. Um, you know, the humor is there. Is there uh, going to be any more sort of surprise partnerships coming? That I wonder. One of my favorites, I think, was the android and David Hewlett's character Tabor, which oh, I don't yeah, think I could have it. predicted at all. But any any more like that that we might not be seeing coming? Or uh, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of surprises coming your way. There's um, uh, we're going to have we're going to be introducing a couple of uh, new characters in season three. Um, one of them, a character called Solara Shockley, who is a character that uh, um, I can't say too much about, but uh, uh, you know, she'll be appearing in introducing uh, episode three, and um, uh, you know, she'll be a very interesting addition uh, to the crew, potentially a temporary addition to the crew, uh, and especially her, um, uh, you know, her interactions with three. Are uh, are particularly memorable, so so you know that's something to look forward to. And then we're just going to be continuing the relationships that we've established. I mean, one of the most interesting uh, 
uh, relationships really is going to be the relationship of Ryo Ishida, formerly four, and his former crew members. I mean, last we left uh, 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 Ryo Ishida, he was blowing up the space station uh, with our crew on board. So, uh, uh, you know, definitely there's going to be some hard feelings, perhaps, heading into season three. I wonder how difficult it is to to write some of that stuff, actually, when you've got a large corporate war spanning for, for what we have to assume is most of a galaxy down to a very personal level, which is a, a crew on board a ship. And then when you've got possibly the advantage of having some of the main, the main characters in both sides of it. So you say Rio is an emperor, he's very much a political faction, and then the other characters are tiny players in theory, although they can have great influence. They are seemingly quite distant from each other. Is, is that difficult to put together and, and bring them into the same plot? Uh, not really, because, what, you know, um, when last we left uh, Rio Oshida, he was making off with the blink drive uh, and was, um, you know, you could say unintentionally responsible for the death of Nyx. So, you know, whichever characters survived the, the space station explosion are going to be, uh, you know, going to return to a ship knowing that, well, as far as they know, Rio killed Nick and, um, and uh, you know, and, and he took the blink drive. So that's something that they're not going to let sit. So, you, you know, you can be sure that uh, they're going to respond. And if they respond, perhaps Rio's going to, res- you know, respond as well. And, uh and uh, you know, you know, in that respect, getting those two uh, stories to link up isn't that hard. It sounds like it's all going to get a lot worse before it gets any better, and then possibly. Um, I think uh, one of the interesting parts I've always found in shows is actually some of that political intrigue. And I wondered if that was going to focus, I mean, is there going to be a, a more focus on that politics in the background or would, will it come into the foreground as, as maybe the characters have to get involved in making or influencing these big decisions or is it sort of necessary to keep a show so personal that they can't really get involved in international politics as you, or whatever you call uh, it when no, it's in space? You know, it, in, in, in the first season, it was very uh, micro. We didn't really know much about, uh, uh, you know, about the the bigger world picture. Uh, and then in season two, we began to find out more about, you know, the, the, the corporate interactions. And our characters were, um, were essentially drawn in through their uh, involvement in, in, in that delivery to the... Uh, um, uh, to that uh, Mike uh, research facility, the white hole technology that ended up uh, destroying the facility, um, and that very much made them unwitting pawns in the in the corporate uh, uh, chess game. And now that it's you know all at war, I mean things are more overt. There's no it's it's not really a sort of you know behind the scenes uh, movement. It's basically it's war. The, the corporations are at war. Um, you know we we mentioned the independent colonies or the, or the outer colonies that are fighting to uh, gain their independence. Um, and, uh, six makes mention very late in, in season two, the fact that, you know, instead of sitting by, in the, you know, the sidelines, this is our opportunity to go out and make a difference. And, um, you know, it's something that two has to consider. And, uh, and, and the war is definitely something that's going to affect our characters and, and whether they, they want to, 
you know, are not, they're going to be drawn into the conflict. Yes, if it's if it's everywhere, then I imagine that's that's almost impossible to avoid it. Since you mentioned that, actually, when I was watching one, I forget which episode it exactly was where that comes up, but you almost get, you get a very strong Robin Hood vibe from from Six. You know, you, you have, you, you're going to make me do these, let's say, not so uh, lawful things because I want to be part of the crew still. But but can we turn it into a a good measure? I wondered is. Is that a turning point for the crew, perhaps? And also, I wondered what, how difficult it is to write actual bad guys. Do you need to bring them in and make them a bit nice to really keep the audience, or could they ever? Do you think go back to being proper bad guys? Um, you know, first of all, it, the turn is one that Six has already taken. I mean, basically, at the end of season one, he turned the crew in because he thought felt they were dangerous. Uh, he felt he was doing the right thing. And then um, it turned out that the Galactic Authority was uh, just as as corrupt, um, or perhaps even more dangerous than the crew. So you know, he decides at the end of the day, the lesser of two evils. He 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 helps them escape, and he still wants to do the right thing. And he realizes that his, his enemy isn't aren't his fellow crew members. It's, it's, it's the GA and the corporations and all they represent. So he's trying to convince these formerly very bad people to do the right thing. Uh, of course, some of them are going to take a little more convincing than others. The character of three, for instance, uh, is a great example. Um, you know, in terms of uh, uh, making a bad guys likable, uh, you know, one of the things yeah, one of the themes that always int- interested me or intrigued me, uh, even you know, as early on as Stargate, was this notion of redemption and 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 you know, are people born bad? Are they products of their environment? Um, you know, uh, what makes you know what is the good and bad people, and what is the bad and good people? And uh, you know, we have these characters who uh, used to be very bad people, but now their memories are wiped, and they're trying to start a new, you know, turn over a new leaf. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for re- redemption and some of them will be successful and some of them won't. Some of them won't try. I mean, in the case of Ryo Ishida, you know, he's gone dark side and, and one, one could say that his, his uh, you know, his, um, his journey has taken a, uh, a very strange turn. Uh, so, you know, I, you know in, in the case of Ryo Ishida, you know, he, he's probably the darkest of the characters. I don't know if audiences member and members will like him even less after the events of uh of last season even you know he you know he he basically cared about Nick's and and sure would be surprised as anyone to find out that she's dead but uh, he did uh you know take the tro- throne in fairly brutal fashion and end up killing his his own uh you know uh, uh stepbrother who uh who helped him so um you know it'll be interesting to see the fan reaction to Rio Ishida and 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 whether really he can be redeemed is there a possibility of any of the characters still then going in either direction do you like to make sure that is always open that they could go good or bad and even change again through fear oh yeah Uh, yeah absolutely i mean um there's always that possibility and remember you know it's always interesting to put these characters in, in extreme positions for instance in the case of you know former four, Ryo Ishida, he's put in a position where he realizes the only way he can save his home world is by uh, triggering this conflict. And the way to trigger the conflict, he finds out, is by destroying the space station and killing all those people on board. 
you know, what he does is he warns our crew and, uh, you know, um, you know, gives them the heads up and says, hey, through the Android says, you know, clear the station. Of course, uh, you know, she, they, they still end up on the station at the time. So, I mean, he's he's, uh, you know, he's a much darker character, but but there is still, uh, you know, that uh, I guess that that goodness or loyalty uh, within him. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just very interesting to, 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 uh, you know, explore, like I said, the, you know, the, the light and the darkness and the darkness and the light. And then in the case of two, for instance, in episode, uh, 12 of last year where, where she's, she's taken, uh, she's, um, experimented on by the scientist. Um, you know, she turns the tables on them in truly brutal fashion. Yes. Um, and you know, you, and, and you see flashes of that. And even in, in, in five, the hitherto, uh, innocent, sweet fives, you know, episode two, kill them all. Um, you know, she has the Android, uh, take out, uh, you know, uh, her GA, uh, um, interrogators. Um, you know, she's, she's taken a bit of a dark turn as well. Absolutely. Why don't you mention one of my favorite scenes there? Actually, I think that was the point where I realized just exactly how dangerous androids were in your background. Yes. Um, I, I asked a previous question because I, some, I always wonder sometimes with shows how much influence is forced upon writers and creators. And it does sound like you've got quite a lot of freedom to do as you want. You, see, you do seem to be able to make that. But I wonder, even if it says no influence from maybe the uh, companies that, that provide money and so on, are there influences of the day just the, any zeitgeist, the social culture that, that that possibly force you into into certain writing choices or character choices. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I would say yes. Um, again, just off the top of my head, I I, I can't really offer specific examples. I mean, you'll always get input. Um, you know, certainly the 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 networks will always have an opinion. Uh, they'll weigh in. Um, uh, Jay Firestone, who's the uh, president of Prodigy Pictures, the, the producers of the uh, 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 the production company, um, he will read all the scripts and weigh in with his thoughts. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, there's audience um, uh, viewer response reaction, and and you know, there's also you know, you 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 know actually what what you know what will work and what will not today today's society. Someone uh, gave me a note um, not too long ago and suggested, oh, it'd be great if 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 uh, in this scene three walks up to this woman and slaps her butt. <laughs> and I just said, seriously, yes. come on, this is you know we're not 1985 anymore. This is you know that 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 type of uh, you know crap does not fly. So. You know, it, it's something you're you're mindful of. Uh, you know, so so yeah. I mean, definitely, you're you're always you know you're writing for you know your viewers. You're writing for um, you know your modern this modern society. But at the end of the day, really, I'm really writing for myself. And and uh, like I said, I, I know where the the journey begins and ends, and it's just a matter of how uh, we connect the dots and get there. Absolutely, it's. It is funny how strange our level of acceptance of, as as you say, sexual politics, gender politics, uh, racial politics can still be tested even now, actually. But noticeably, one of the 
one of the most influencing norms, I think, now that I've noticed in writing at the moment is around strong female characters. Mm. I've very much noticed that these days we've gone to the almost opposite end where to be strong, a woman has to be able to be physically strong. They have to be able to take people down in a fight. They have to take no nonsense from men and physically react to it. I think I've been pleased to see that certainly in Dark Matter, people have been strong in other ways, like five talking two down in in that mindscape. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's also been moments where I think that other episode you mentioned, which I'm afraid I can't name a title of because my brain's gone a bit chaotic, but where three and five are out together trying to survive as they're chased by the, by the GA. And I noticed that they don't talk to each other as being forced by their age. You know, one is younger, one is older. They do seem to be able to talk like family members, even if it is a slight influence of older brother to younger sister. Notice that they both seem as mature as each other. And I'm thinking, I think that somehow you're, dodging stereotypes i wonder are you trying to is that something that you definitely want to put in or has that come about through other reasons no you know one of the things um you know off at the very beginning of the series we established these characters and they were very much uh archetypes uh you know uh, three was a gunslinger and everybody hated him um, you know, two was fearless leader. Five was the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the hacker kid. Um, and, uh, you know, most of the negative re- reactions to the pilot in the first couple of episodes were, oh, it's just they're, 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 they're stereotypes. But they essentially had to be because they have no backstory. They have no memory of who they are. So yes. they are, in a sense, those uh, you know, those archetypes. And that's essentially what we set out to do. And what's been fun about the show is you set out these characters that people will say, oh, this is just so-and-so from this show or so-and-so from that show. And then as you, you know, I say, I like to put a peel the onion on their backstories and you develop their characters and their relationship, you, you know, they, they take on a life of their own and become their own characters. And, and uh, one of the things that, that really I love about the premise of the show is that the characters discover uh the the, the viewers discover alongside the characters so essentially because there's no frame of reference there's no history there are no memories you know that they can uh, draw from everything is new as new for the viewer as it is for the characters and so um you know that 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 always appealed to me about the premise and like you said, I mean, yes, strong female characters. I mean, you know, that in itself has become a bit of a cliche. In the case of two, really, again, this is the anime influence. Anime was doing this long, long, long before North American uh, politically correct uh, uh, productions caught up. Um, you know, it's just something that appeals to me. And, uh, you know, people always ask me about, oh, you know, your, your cast is so diverse. The characters are so diverse. And you're, you're such strong female characters. And, you know, it's all, it's, it's fine. Um, you know, it's not something to be honest. I, I really, uh, set out to do to say like, Oh, we've got to check this box here or, you know, strong female character check. Um, it's just, it's just how I envision the characters. And in a way, I think it just, it, it just reflects society. I, you know, I know strong female characters, uh, a strong female, uh, you know, individuals. So it's not that big a deal. And, 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 you know, it. You know, it, like I said, the, the, the cast is diverse. 
I, I just find that just for me, whenever, you know, people tend to go there and ask me about, you know, the diversity, um, I, I feel as though it, like, you know, it, it, it kind of, um, I guess, undermines the hard work of the performers like a Roger Cross, who, uh, you know, quite frankly, was not cast because we needed, you know, a diverse character. He was cast because really he was so good in, uh, in, in the audition. He did that scene with, um, uh, uh, with, with uh, the five character where he's, where he's talking down in the barn and he did such a fantastic job. And that's why he got the role. It wasn't really, like I said, to check any boxes and, you know, Melissa, um, you know, has an Asian background. Uh, again, that, that, comes from my uh, anime influence, um, you know, and, and the fact that she happened to be the best actress for the role. Um, you know, when we went, came time to audition uh, the character of Four and the Android, we looked at, uh, you know, all genders. Um, he, you know, the character of the Android was actually male in the comic book. Uh, but, but we opened it up and we ended up choosing the best actor for the role and the best actor for the role in the case, in, in the case of the Android turned out to be Zoe Palmer, who has done a fantastic job. So, you know, it's, 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 it's certainly nice. I think at the end of the day, hopefully it just reflects society and it's, it's not really an attempt to, um, you know, make, make a massive point. I think that's probably the best way to go. If you can get it, you do wonder when, when you watch these things, though, what effect formulas and requirements have on it. It is pleasing to hear that sometimes it can just be left to work naturally. I mean, certainly when you see mm-hmm. some of the, I, I hesitate to say it like this. I feel like I'm being too insulting, but I don't specifically mean it that way. But I think you do notice in certainly the American TV shows, there's a, a fixed sense of humor, for example, where, you know, the joke has to come here and you can almost hear the joke building at that point. And you feel like, is that, you know, was that forced? Did somebody say that the writing had to be done that way? It sounds like you've, you don't suffer those pressures, but maybe even think the pressures that come from outside society. There is one that I do definitely want to ask about a personal interest of mine, which I think I'm noticing in certainly continuum in the past and now Dark Matter, your show and Killjoys that's been running alongside it. There's still a anti-corporate feel in these shows where you know, corporations are evil. And I noticed that there's a, th- these are all three Canadian shows. I wondered, is there an, is there still an anti-corporate feeling in Canada at the moment? Based, um, maybe you've you come know, out of 2008, you know, you know, I, it, it's, it's, in the case of Dark Matter, I mean, I can't speak for the other shows. I mean, I just um, imagined, you know, uh, 200, 250 years in the future. I mean, who are, are really the power players in, 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 in today's world? And they are the corporations. And they're the ones with the money. And they're the ones who are going to be able to go out and, you know, exploit resources, planetary resources. And, and so I just, you know... Uh, explored that and just took that to what I assume would be kind of the logical extension that, you know, they would be the ones calling the shots in the future. But, you know, it's not just one dark shadowy entity. There are many uh, corporations and, um, you know, in the case of, of the Mickey combine represented by um, commander uh, Truffaut played by Tori Higginson. I mean, they're kind of a wild card. They're a corporation, but they're not necessarily bad 
you know, yeah, evil. I mean, in, in fact, even like uh, Ferris Corps, I would not describe them as necessarily evil. They are uh, yeah. pragmatic. They're, you know, concerned about their bottom line. Um, so, I mean, I guess you could see that as evil. I think they're more opportunistic and, uh, and um, practical. Yeah, maybe you're right. I think it's it's possibly easy for me, for the viewer, to get carried away with some of these things. Although you, I mean, there are decisions that you can so easily relate to, to maybe executives you know in in your own life. Like uh, there's a very strong influence in the financial sector, I think, at the moment to deregulate again, and that, in my head, makes me think. Does that not mean we are definitely heading towards repeating the 2008 financial crisis? It seems to be this cycle that we're just going to go over and over. So maybe it's not evil, but it seems short-sighted, perhaps. Right. I wonder if that had maybe influenced, if it had come out, from, if you'd seen that in society and thought this was something you wanted to comment on. In certain respects, it is, I think, reflective of society, but I, I, I try really not to comment um, or use it you know, my, my shows, you know, sort of to make any political or social commentary. Other shows do, and that's fine. I just find that, um, you know, there's always the danger of dating yourself, um, which is something, you know, uh, like to avoid doing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you know, yes, it reflects society. Um, I think in, in, in some instances it's really, uh, subconscious, um, so, so I will say that, you know, there's really not an overt uh, intent on my part. No, no, fair enough. I think, uh, as you said, I don't think you, you don't need to go down that route to, to get mm. to an interesting plot. That's certainly not, ne- not necessarily at all. But it's, maybe it's just like a personal interest of mine to say I link um, I link sinks to, to maybe Robin Hood. You know, oh, is he going to do that? And I, I'm also very interested in the six Anders um, Anders collide maybe if those two characters will ever get together again because I think maybe the ideological discussions they could have could be very right. interesting. But yes, yeah. but yeah, there's, there's certainly no need to go down there. Absolutely, but uh, but yeah, that is certainly one of my favourite parts of the show. Um, so from a personal interest, I, I even though I know you can't say much at all, but Anders, we are going to see him. Is he going to meet Six again? Maybe. Um, you know what? Uh, we may see a couple of scenes between Anders and Six in season three. I will take are, that. The magic eight ball says uh, chances are good. Chances looks, are good. Looks, looks promising. Um, I, I'll take that as a win from my own personal perspective. Mm-hmm. I will absolutely take that as a win. Um, I think uh, the other areas that I thought might have an effect on shows that I would be interested to ask about this. I noticed on your blog that you said um, there's a potential for time jumping possibly coming up in season three. And mm-hmm. I noticed at the moment that time jumping is very popular as a, as a, as a plot theme flash legends of tomorrow, timeless. I think uh, Neil before mm-hmm. blog looks into uh, do um do anything like Marvel, the DC shows, the popularity of them. Um, do they have any effect on you at all? Are you into them? Do you watch them? Do you like them? Uh, you know, I'm, I've always been a comic book fan, and I still do read. Um, uh, you know, Marvel, DC, and, and uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of the other ones. 
but I don't watch the TV shows. I mean, I'll be honest, you know, whenever we go down to LA and, and we take meetings and people ask, what do you watch? I can honestly say not much uh, simply because when you're in production on a TV show, there isn't much time to actually watch TV. Uh, mm-hmm. I read a lot. I'm, I'm an avid reader in that. I do most of my reading usually between, uh, you know, 1030 and, and midnight. And, and that'll cover anything from novels to, you know, novels, short stories, uh, novelettes and, and comic books. Um, so, you know, in that respect, I think, you know, there's certainly some comic book influences in in Dark Matter, but nothing really from any of the TV shows. I haven't really watched them. Not that I don't think they're any good. I just, you know, I, I there may be really a handful of shows I, I, I do watch on television uh, just because I, I don't have the time. And, you know, you know what you said about, about time travel, I mean, there's certain, I guess you could call them sci-fi uh, tropes or, or uh, you know, on the, on the flip side, uh, you know, evergreen uh, uh, plots that, um, you know, that, that sci-fi shows do. Uh, one of our first shows, that, one of the first episodes, uh, my writing, my uh, former writing partner and I, Paul Molly, wrote for Stargate was an episode called Window of, Op- of Opportunity, which was essentially uh, a time loop episode, a Groundhog Day episode. And, you know, on the surface, you look at it and say, well, you know, it's just a time loop episode. Other, other productions have done it. And, but it still, it, it ranks as, as one of the favorite fan episodes of the show because, you know, you know, it, it, you put our characters into the situation. And when you put our characters into the situation, it becomes different. So essentially, you know, if you're going to do a time loop episode, what you should do, which I've done, is go out there and watch as many time loop movies and episodes of shows that have already done it. Find a way to do it differently and find a way to do it that speaks to your characters and your audience. Sounds like it could be tricky, but I noticed you bring up Paul Molly there, actually. And I got in my notes, actually, to mention about that. I think he's, has he been a long-term writing partner of yours? Yeah, we, well, we were writing partners for, um, for quite a long time on, on, on Stargate, writing and producing partners. Um, and we used to actually co-write scripts together. And even though in later years we were writing scripts separately, we would share um, co-writing credit simply because I would tend to write the original scripts while he would be busy rewriting other writers. And because, you know, he would get his rewrites on other writers would be uncredited, but would require as much work as writing an original, That's you know, right. to even things out. We, we, um, uh, we, uh, you know, uh, shared uh, story credit, but uh, for star uh, for for dark matter, we're writing separately. Um, he's actually in Vancouver. We're shooting in Toronto. He has a family. He's decided to stay in 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 Vancouver and spend time with his family. So he he um you know he he writes scripts and and he'll weigh in on various aspects of productions. But I'm in Toronto uh, running the show and doing all the. Uh, the last minute prep rewrites and, and, and writing my own original scripts as well. So he's still involved though, you know, not really as uh, you know, in terms of hands-on production this season. It does seem to be that uh, you are very much the face of, of dark matter. The, you're on there, you're on the blogs, you're, you, you, you've got the, 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 the reviews like that, the, the interviews like this is, is that a, is that a choice that has been made between you or is it just that you are simply the person with a more available time? Um, well, to be honest, I mean, I, you know, the dark matter was, a, was the, the premise and, and the show and the story are, are, were something I came up with and I developed over 
four or five years or more while I was waiting for Stargate to end. Uh, and then we went into development, um, you know, as my writing partner, he came on board. And so I wrote the pilot and he did a pass on the pilot. Um, and, you know, he's, he's involved in all aspects of spinning stories and, 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 and such. Um, but I mean, I, you know, really the, 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 the idea for the show was mine and, and, and the character journeys that I've mapped out are, are in my head and, um, you know, and and I'm show running the show, so so in you know in that respect, um, I'm taking point on the show. Uh, but you know, he he's he's been invaluable. I mean, he's he's um, really probably the best writer I know. Uh, he writes fully half the scripts. He, he he does a pass on 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 most of them. He's you know uh, very involved when it comes time to breaking the stories. Like I said, I mean, I, you know, in general, I know where I want to end up. I know where the stories. You know, if, for instance, the the arc of season three. I know what the, the main story is going to be. I know where we're going to end up. I know where the characters are going to end up. I know the big moments. The challenge is really, you know, what are the specific steps to get there? And that's where really he's invaluable in helping, in, you know, to really flesh out the stories and the episodes that uh, make up the, uh, you know, our, our 13 episode third season. It sounds like it's a, a really good partnership then, yeah, if, if nothing else, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, we've uh, we've nicely gone through my little notes and questions here, so I am going to thank you for your time. It's been excellent to hear about you, and definitely interested to see where the characters of Dark Matter end up after being scattered to the four winds on uh, at the end of Season 2. I think, is it... Um, is it Sci-Fi UK that will be showing season yes. three over here in Britain? Yes, it is. Excellent. So we can direct all viewers to that in the in the in the coming months. Is there a is there a month that we should be looking out for it coming back? Do you know? Um, I don't know if they've announced um, an air date or premiere date. I know last year it was July. Uh, so you know, around there. June, July. So everybody should be looking out for In the Summer, Sci-Fi UK, Dark Matter Season 3. But I must say we cannot let you go before we ask you one more question, as Neil before blog likes to do. Okay. We would like to know, if you had a superpower, what would that superpower be and why? Uh, I and is it influenced by anime at all, perhaps? It is not influenced by anime, but is influenced by... Uh, the challenges you face as a showrunner uh, and just uh, a writer in this business, uh, I would like to have the ability to read people's minds so that I can cut through the bull and uh, know exactly what, uh, you know, what, what they're thinking, not what they're saying, but what they're thinking. Very interesting, very interesting. Very practical of you, I must say. You you haven't actually gone for something, oh, I'd like to be able to do this, that, and the other. That is is completely impractical. I can see that actually working for you. (laughs) I I have to ask, are you a practical man? Um, You know, uh, I'm a man who enjoys his routine and having a plan. Um, I suppose you could say I'm practical, yeah. Well, we'll take that. So, thank you for answering that question, and thank you for your time, Mr. Joseph Bonazzi. 
my pleasure. Thank you so much. That was my interview with Joseph Malozzi, creator, writer, and producer of Dark Matter. We thank him for his time and look forward to seeing Dark Matter Season 3 in the summer. If you enjoyed this, subscribe to us on iTunes or any major podcasting app. Just search for Neil Before Pod or Neil Before Blog and do join us for our next podcast.